The wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lick. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're going to cover chapters 13 through 18 of The Shadow Rising, book four of The Wheel of Time. So previously, Rand made out with Elaine while Egwene tells Matt all about the twisted doorway, which he's definitely not going to use at his very next opportunity. <laughs> uh, we get a bird's eye view of what everyone's up to, and Rand begins to suspect that maybe Selene is more than just a lady from Kyrian. Trollocs and Myrdral uh, remind us that they're totally still a thing, because we kind of forgot about them. Uh, but Rand goes all Thunder God on them, and then that's uh, that's that's all she wrote. Uh, I guess a bunch of people died, but no named characters, so we're kind of okay with it. Um, Egwene goes dreamwalking and gets naked a surprising number of times for some reason. <laughs> uh, 90s Detective Agency also makes travel plans while everyone's waiting for Rand's big reveal. He's going to make an announcement of some sort, I assume. Mm-hmm. What would it be? I don't know, probably that he's... A new iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) And one more thing. iPhone 400,000 S. (laughs) Everything has been destroyed in the Age of Legends except for Apple. Yeah, Yeah, I guess in the dream world, you get naked whenever you think about getting naked. And Egwene thinks about getting naked a lot. Mm. (laughs) Uh That's a problem if you're going to be a dream walker. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's like thing one, right? Like, lesson one in the dream world, don't think about being naked. Don't think about being naked. (laughs) But every time you think that, you get naked. So, (laughs) So, chapter 13, rumors, icon of the dice, because it's Matt's turn. So we get this Awesome in description that yeah. Matt's hanging out in. Matt's at the coolest damn party I've ever heard of. <laughs> I know. I wrote down, it sounded like a wagon load of geese and crockery careering downhill through the night. <laughs> <laughs> I did not understand that. Uh, it's Does he mean careening or is careering the same as careening? I, th- I think careering is a, a variant of careening. Okay. Oh. Okay. And I'd also like to point out that uh, even in the future, they have hipsters. Uh, somebody had smeared something on his mustaches to make them curl up on either side of his narrow face. Yeah, that's totally... <laughs> yeah. Totally he rode in on like a, a bicycle with one wheel is a lot bigger than the other. <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing skinny jeans, I'm sure. But Matt is not enjoying this awesome inn. He's sitting there brooding. He's feeling bad. Yeah, just sulking in the corner. Yeah, he's... He has a memory of his experience during the Trolloc attack of of him being saved by Trollocs. Him too, huh? Yeah. So these... So if the... If Selene was running these good Trollocs, would she have saved Matt? I doubt it, right? So... She didn't care. I was thinking about this, because Selene... I think Selene saved Rand that she was very specific specific about not saying so. But it seems like... There might be more than one uh, Forsaken involved in the attack on Tyr. And I wonder if, because they're opposed to each other, they're, uh, you know, they're subservient evil underlings aren't, they don't have the, like, the friendly shield that uh, the, the Trollocs who work together have. Because when the Miradral are gone, uh, the, they say, I think they mentioned that the Trollocs are just as likely to, to kill each other as, mm-hmm. as not. And that's why the Miradral are there, just to keep them, like, orderly. So I wonder if the same goes for, like, different factions under different Forsaken, maybe. I was wondering if maybe one of Matt's previous incarnations that he keeps kind of like flashing back to was maybe somebody that was useful to Lanfear in a different age. It could be. Maybe she knows yeah. who he is. Yeah. Even though I would ordinarily think she would totally kill him because she would want Rand to not have any ties to anybody except for herself. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot. But not only does the Trolloc save him, it like looks at him and like sniffs him and then just kind of like walks away. Like, so yeah. it's not just like... Uh, it's intent. It's very intentional. I forgot maybe, about that. Maybe the orders she gave the Trollocs weren't very specific. Like, 
save the white dude. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so there's in this in our rumors from all over. Some rumors reference things that we already know about. And one rumor in particular is that White Cloaks have gone to Emmons Field. Uh, Very narratively specific rumor. Yeah. And, yes. and we, we have seen a little bit of this. We, in the, I think it was in the prologue. There was, we saw some White Cloaks at Terran, Terran's Ferry. Terran Ferry, yeah. Terran Ferry, yeah. So we, yeah, now we're, now that word has reached here, which is actually a pretty long way for rumor to travel. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, cause they, it's about that two rivers to back. Yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. They got the good weed. <laughs> Uh, and that sort of butts into somebody's conversation and demands answers about it. And they all treat him like a drunk lord, mm-hmm. which I guess is what he is now. He, I mean, kind of, right? Like, he, he's, he's about as close as you get in tier, right? Yeah. Without being born into it. Uh, also, I remember the, the guy uh, is, like, talking about how he thinks he just barely escapes his life. He's like, I thought that guy was going to fucking kill me. <laughs> yeah. So they know that the White Cloaks are looking for the Dragon Reborn, but they're, they're also looking for... Perrin, a man with yellow eyes. So Perrin mm-hmm. is out there too in the ether. Yeah, because he's killed a couple of white cloaks. And yeah, we knew path, we knew yeah. that the white cloaks were after him, but it looks like he's becoming more broadly known as well. True. Mm-hmm. Yep. And these rumors. And all and all this time, uh, Matt's thinking a lot about that doorway, way which he's promised not to go into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good thing he promised that, right, guys? I mean, this, right? This feels yeah. like a boulder rolling downhill. Yeah. He immediately knew what was going to happen as soon as he learned about the dangerous yeah. doorway. <laughs> What is it? Uh, Chekhov's, Chekhov's gun? Or <laughs> oh, yeah. Chekhov's, Chekhov's doorway? Gun. Yeah. So uh, Matt heads back to the stone and talks to Perrin about the rumors. And Perrin is going. He's already heard the rumors. He's going back to Emmons Field. Mm-hmm. But Matt is not. So they both feel the Taveran pull. But I guess Matt just likes gambling and winching so much that he's not going to go back. I don't know why it is. But there's an interesting part where he says, um, I want to see. I can't even say it now. So he can't even say, "I want to go back to the two rivers," which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 interesting. Is Perrin just stubborn enough that he's able to like do his thing, or or maybe he's like deliberate and 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 focused enough that he can he can fight it? Yeah, I, I think I, he's less impulsive. Yeah, than Matt. but Matt is just caught up in the the eddies of, of fate around him, regardless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But. Um, yeah, no, I, I remember as I was seeing Impact, I was like, oh, man, those white clicks, they done fucked up. Because, you know, Perrin's going to roll in with his wolf army, I assume, you know. <laughs> That's kind of what he does. Or maybe he's able to resist more because he has the separate wolf part of himself that can be more independent. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. not Taveran. Yeah, yeah. That, the, the wolf is not Taveran. <laughs> or maybe it's just that, it, I mean, it could be something as simple as... Matt's fate is to go with Rand and Perrin's fate isn't. And that, that sort of thing seems to be a, a thing in this this series that, you know, fate has different plans for different people regardless of what they are. Right, right? yeah. This mm-hmm. is very likely this is exactly what Perrin is meant to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but meanwhile, like, you know, after this conversation, Matt immediately goes back to, like, thinking about, like, boning some chick or something. Yeah, he's, he's, like, yeah. he's like, I wonder if she's down for boning right and now. And that's terrible. I wish I could go help my friends and family who are being slaughtered by white cloaks. But <laughs> since I can't... And he likes the plump ladies too. <laughs> yeah, he likes the ones with the round hands. Maybe, maybe in another life he was. <laughs> maybe in another life he was Ben Franklin because he mm. liked the the large ladies too. More cushion for the pushing, you know. Yeah. So yeah, leaving here, Matt has an encounter with Barrelane, who's I guess heading in to creep on Perrin for some reason. Yeah, um, and B- Barrelane doesn't want Matt. Like the one person in this story that would totally uh, rub fuzzies with her, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Matt'd be like, "Yeah, let's do this thing." 
Yeah, but but she's like, no, no, no. Like, I don't want that because she says he's too much like me. Whatever that means. Yeah, Is well, she like a gambling whore? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows, yeah. Yeah, right? She like got daggers all up her sleeves and memories of a previous time. Speaking weird. Yeah. Did, did she once have a cursed dagger that she just had the Travelon <laughs> cleanse her? I know, I mean, right? Like, how was she like? I, I have trouble seeing like what they have in common is all I'm saying. <laughs> So, chapter 14, Customs of Mayan, with the icon of the wolf, because it's Perrin. So, Perrin's packing up, he's heading out, and uh, Bear Lane visits him. Yes, she does. And she totally comes on to him. She is laying it on thick. Yeah, I think she 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 got the message from Rand that, like, okay, I have to, like, really hit him over the head with it. But Perrin knows. <laughs> Perrin is not Rand. <laughs> She's like, I always get what I want, and I want... Iron work. I was just like, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe she thinks this will actually work, right? I need some iron work in my bedroom. Yeah, she totally, from the wi- for the windows of my bedchamber. I, I assume while she's doing that, she's making like pelvic thrusting movements and going, <laughs> you know, iron work. You're like crotch bees. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But, uh, but yeah, her her powers are they fall on the obtusity of two rivers folk, I guess. <laughs> right. But at least he just shuts her down right away. He's yeah. like, Nope. Not gonna happen. I have this other girlfriend thing. Like my status is it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not looking for you know, I'm not looking to get entangled here. Mm-hmm. I'm a wolf guy, you know. Doing my wolf things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but Fail walks in on them and she doesn't immediately freak out. Yeah, I was. I, was, I wrote. She kind of takes it in stride. Surprisingly, I think at first her attitude is that she has to keep him because he's a man, right? That seems to be her attitude. Like the, the angrier he gets, the better I like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and, think it was just Robert's way of being like women be unpredictable. Yeah, even though that's also a good. Yeah, yeah, you right. I just what I mean, like name basis is with him. I am. <laughs> Robert. I call him RJ. I yeah. didn't even realize I just said Robert. Sorry, Mr. Jordan. You can just call him Robbie. <laughs> Robbie, fine. Bob. Robbie J. We Bobby. know him better than he knows himself at this point. Yeah. Because he's dead. Aww. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it creeps me out because in his little, sorry, his, his little about the author at the back, it says that he's going to, he tends to continue writing until they nail shut his coffin. That's not funny when he's dead. That's right. Did that, that happen? That, yeah. I mean, That's that might literally point. be true, right? <laughs> wow. Uh, right. So, yeah, Fail doesn't freak out, but Perrin tries to drive her off with Barrelane talk. Yeah. Uh, and we, uh, it finally makes it obvious what's going on with Perrin is he intends to go get killed by the White Cloaks. Yeah, and he thinks he's successful. It's kind of funny. There's this whole exchange where he's like, oh, good. Then now, now we're done. You know, it's fine. Yeah. But he can't just say that to Fahil. Like, I'm going to go get hung. I don't want you to, to come with me and see that. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's the same. I know Perrin's probably hung. <laughs> sure. Uh, don't wolves have really small penises? I don't, I don't know. I've never seen a wolf penis. You haven't? Yeah. You want to? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk later. <laughs> this, yeah, this whole... I guess this is going to be the shape of the next few chapters because he's he's like I'm going to drive away fail by being mean to her, 
because that's that's how I'm going to solve my relationship problem. Yeah, so he, he he makes some like really like lame comments about oh you know Berlaine really likes me maybe I'll make a stop by Mayen on my way back from Two Rivers <laughs> she wants a little piece of this iron action or something. <laughs> <laughs> There's a an alternate story that would be really funny is that he actually went to Mayen and she actually has him put in some. <laughs> Ironwork in yeah. the bedroom. It's like, all right, thanks. <laughs> so you can you can go now. That's, that's it. It's real. That, I, I, I like the work of your craftsmanship. You know, here. But Phil storms off, and Perrin feels bad, but he feels righteous, like he did the right thing. Mm-hmm. So Fail immediately heads to Barrelane and tackles her. Yeah, this is this is ridiculous. This really, is, she's like out for blood, and she has some kind of weird comments. Milk faced. Is that? Implying that Berlin is light skinned? Is that the. Is that I the... think that's what it is saying, yes. Yeah. And she talks about the language of fans. I mean, I think she's coming a little unhinged. I don't know. Seems like she's going Right. Crazy. Yeah. She. Well, I mean, she is she starting a knife fight with Berlin, <laughs> the first of my end, over Perrin. Yeah. That's true. With whom she's not even married or whatever? It doesn't even matter. Is, are they in a, a relationship for actuality? I mean, it's, 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 hard, to, it's hard to read. I think so, but <laughs> it's, it's weird. But, but, but Vial is unhinged. Yeah. The way yeah. she thinks about things is crazy. She pulls a knife on Berylaine. Well, you know what Berylaine says, that she's going to make him cut off his beard. And you know, if you talk shit about whoa, Perrin's whoa, beard, whoa. I know, it's like, you done did it now. Yeah. yeah. Now comes the knife. You took this too far. Yeah. But they get broken up by Ruark, who... Just when it's getting good. I mean, I, I was like looking forward to this fight. I was like, these are two ladies who can kick some ass. <laughs> What's this going to go? But no, Ruark's like, yeah. No. But Ruark, who... Implies that he spanked Berylaine at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sends Berylaine to her room. Yeah. Yeah. This was so awkward. Yeah. yeah. And then I guess he says that Berylaine's punishment is that she gets a dressing down in front of Fael, and Fael's punishment is he takes her knives away. Yeah, he takes her toys away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. that's a reasonable thing to do. I guess he's te- he not technically, he's in charge of the military force occupying this fortress. Mm-hmm. So it's ultimately his responsibility to make sure that uh, people aren't killing each other in the hallways. Yeah, but yeah. it still feels like a grown-up stopping two toddlers from fighting. Yeah, right? There's definitely yeah. some patronizing what, going on here. So for Fail, that makes sense. It seems like that's what she responds to, but Berylaine has shown no indication that she's childish. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's the ruler of a country. Like, she's, it'd be like, you know, the prime minister getting dressed down by, like, another country's right. general, right? And all of her, these attempted sexual predations are... Political. It's political, right? It's all political with her. Yeah. And so this 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 thing where Ruark comes in and sends her to her room without dinner like a child is... is it doesn't feel right. No, it was weird. Um, and I have to say, I'm really frustrated because we hear she's the first of my end, so she should be this very powerful woman, but we've only ever seen her acting political in a sexual manner. Yeah. yeah. The implication, I think Mayan is really, really small and weak. They don't even have an army. Mm-hmm. It's like, a, I don't know, what's a, a city? What's a really small country that doesn't like have an the, army? Like Monaco. Yeah, like those places. And so they, this is actually the, the best political angle they've got mm-hmm. is the first of Mayan's personal charisma. Yeah, but maybe if she tried other things than getting in people's pants, she would have more success? Because she doesn't seem to... She seems to be striking out a lot. That's true. It's yeah. the only thing she does and it never works. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Matt trying to Wait, charm people. Like, I wonder if that's, like, common for her. Because, like, she, by all accounts, she's gorgeous, right? So I wonder if... 
this is just like a dry spell for her. She's like, why is this not fucking working? Yeah, I think <laughs> it always works. She was probably doing this to the High Lords of Tear. Yeah. And it probably was working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just not working on these two rivers crazies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Fael has decided she's not giving up on going with Perrin to the two rivers. Yeah. Because she can't pick up a hint. I'm going to call it vagina po- politics. <laughs> That's what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter 15. Into the doorway. Icon of the dice. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. But Matt promised. There's no way he'd go through the doorway. Uh, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah if he I'd bothered to skim the table of contents, he would have known that this was... <laughs> that this was I don't think you had to skim the table of contents. I think as the moment the words left Egwene's lips, we all knew where that was going. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Matt, the genius, he finds the stone doorway and goes through it. Yeah. And he's ra- at least he bothers to rationalize it. He's like, well, I, I told her if my life didn't, not only if my life depended on it. Sure, my life kind of depends on it now. His life doesn't actually <laughs> know, depend right? on it. right? It's like, like, my life depends on not having memory holes. Really? Come on, dude. Yeah. And the, the doorway's really cool. It's oh, like, man, I love this. I yeah, love this it's scene. like twisted in a subtle way that your eye can't follow it all the way around. And he pushes it and it, and it like shifts, but it stays upright as if it's like... But has some, its own sort of gravity, it seems like. Yeah, right? It doesn't topple over. Yeah. Like, it can't. He said it was like it was suspended by cables from the ceiling, but it obviously wasn't. It was right. very interesting. Yeah, really neat. It's surrounded by all this junk and rummage in the in the tier uh, basement. What do they call it? The Great Hole? Something yeah, like the that? Great Hole, which sounds way more prestigious than it appears to be. <laughs> Just a pile of junk. <laughs> oh, and he notes that there's a lot of dust down there, so he guesses that Naive's detective agency hasn't been cleaning up. Or, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's like, I'm surprised I didn't have, I didn't tidy up while they were down here. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what he says. Oh my god, Matt! Women were always dusting and straightening. <laughs> Jesus, fuck! He's like, man, I'm annoyed by the amount of domestic labor that the women around me do in my life. <laughs> so yeah, he heads through, and it's this is awesome. Oh, yeah, man. this is it, he goes into a completely different place. Like where there's no right angles. No straight edges. He says everything is like curved in some way. Even things that are sort of straight have like a, a bit of a curve to them to right, make them yeah. not be. Yeah. Everything's weird colors. And he meets this man that's not a man. Yeah. Wrapped in yellow silk or something like that, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. And this guy and all the other guys he meets through the doorway keep like kind of breathing at him. Like... <laughs> Like they're sucking in something. It's yeah. crazy. I, I, I got the impression that they were smelling him maybe, but I, I don't that, know. Yeah, through their mouth or something. Yeah. Can I, I, can I, oh, sorry. No, no, you go ahead. Can I read the description of this guy? Yeah. Uh, Matt was suddenly not so sure if it was a man or a human. It looked human at first glance, though perhaps too graceful, but it seemed far too thin for its height with a narrow, elongated face. Its skin and even its straight black hair caught the pale light in a way that reminded him of a snake's scales. And those eyes, the pupils just black vertical slits. No, not human. Very mm. creepy guy. Yeah. Voldemort? Yeah, it's kind of Voldemorty, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, a little. I was thinking of uh, Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> <laughs> Looks just like Tom Hiddleston. Not Loki, but Tom Hiddleston. Right, <laughs> right. right. the actor, not movie. the character he plays. We're There's... talking about you, Mr. Hiddleston. <laughs> There's also some interesting rules that the guy mentions. No light, no iron, no instruments or music. This sounds like something out of like the fairies, right? This is fairy, right? Yeah, this is these are these are fairy things. Yeah. Oh. Right? The fairies hate cold iron, fairies hate fire. Uh, you kind of mythologically speaking, fairies hate all the thing that signify civilization in the medieval times. Yeah, so I think Jordan probably borrowed some of his mythology from from that or, you know, he would argue that 
our mythology is based on these creatures or something, you know, these, right. But they're, yeah. de- they're definitely not like any fairies that I've ever heard of. They're like, these things seem more reptilian. I don't think. Right. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're more, I don't know. They're kind of like elves. Yeah. A bit. But this whole yeah, place and, is like and a creep factor. No musical instruments. Yeah. What, what is that about? Yeah. Right. I don't know. I'm actually surprised Matt doesn't have a musical instrument on him because he occasionally carries something around, right? Yeah, he does. So, but he's just lucky. He yeah. had a torch. He just set it down before he stepped through the doorway. That's true. That could have been a problem. And so the the guy leads him, Matt, luckily, doesn't have any of this stuff. And the guy leads him through this world, this building, this palace, whatever the heck they're in. And he, he talks about how he's, they're going through this curved hallway. There are no right angles, no straight lines. And Matt starts seeing the same things out through the windows, but on like opposite sides of the hallways. And like he'll, he'll see something through a window and he'll you know, walk six feet and look through the window and it's gone. And then it appears like 10 feet later. You know, it's just really bizarre. Yeah, this world does not make any sense. Very creepy. And the whole time, Matt is struggling not to ask any questions. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. He keeps like stopping this and says, oh, that's a question. He's like, Why? what? <laughs> so he finally gets to a room with more of these crazy people. These these not people. Whatever the heck they are. Yeah. Where they're, they're standing on pillars or sitting on pillars. Yeah, these spiral pillars that don't appear to have any way to get up there, as if they just, you know... Right, yeah. There. And uh, and they're the people that he asked the question of. And his plan, he's got a plan for his questions, and it lasts exactly one question. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. His first question is not actually a very good question either. It's, like, very subjective. He's like, should I go home to help my people? And they're like... <laughs> this is what's called a semi-structured interview, where <laughs> you have your specific questions, but you can go mm, off of... Yeah, those, room, yeah. room to, to adjust. Yeah, yeah, he, but he totally blows his own two questions because he forgets. He gets distracted. <laughs> he you gets know? mad at the first answer. They tell him to go to Ruidia, and he's like, what? Why? <laughs> that's a useful answer, though. If you don't go, you're going to die. Like, that's a good piece of yeah, information. But, like, I mean, in a place like this, where he knows that the answer is the right answer no matter what, it doesn't matter why, that's right? That's a good point. Like, that is that to me is a wasted question. Right. And then yeah. he follows up with something like, no, no, really, why? <laughs> Tell me more. So th- this is a bunch of awesome prophecy stuff for Matt because he just starts peppering them with questions and the place starts kind of like a bell tolls and the place starts falling apart and like an earthquake or something and they start trying to drag him away but he won't go and he's still asking him questions. <laughs> he keep answering. He's like, he's, he's actually kind of doing pretty well for himself. He gets like eight questions out of him or something. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, it's all right. <laughs> it's like three questions. That's for normal people. But do you have the, the prophecy stuff? Uh, I do, yeah. To die and live again and live once more part of what was to give up half the light of the world to save the world and uh let's see go to ruidian son of battles go to ruidian trickster go gambler go you know so yeah it's it's these are all his fates apparently right yeah so he has to go to ruidian the place in the aiel waste uh and then they they drag him out bodily and toss him out through the doorway because mm-hmm. the place really seems like it's falling apart yeah, like the, the these creatures seem worried. This is not normal for them. This is something they're afraid of. It's it's really interesting because they have the the, the way that they talk to him. They talk about the strain and the savor as to like opposing things. Yeah, because like, they're breathing him in too. Like they're smelling him with their mouths. Yeah, like, <laughs> they're oh. tasting him. I guess very yeah. reptilian. But they they toss him out, and the, the thing he's most upset about is they told him he's going to marry the daughter of the nine moons. <laughs> And he, I wrote it down. He says, I'll marry when I'm too old to have any fun. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But yeah, he has to go to Rudium. So that's his answer. Not very useful, actually. But there. 
Yeah. Uh, and he discovers after he's out of there that Rand was in there too. <laughs> and Moraine. <laughs> <laughs> Moraine steps out and yeah, that was funny. It made me think of like a clown car or something. It just keeps showing up. Yeah. It's like anyone else coming out of there that's like hanging around. No. I, I love that. Always, as she steps out, the first thing he thinks is she would be a fine one to dance with if she were not Aes Sedai. Sure. Everybody's uh, objectifying Moraine in this book. So it turns out we get some explanations from Moraine, which would have been useful going in. Yeah. That Taverin are trouble for these. For these people in the other world. Which is, I think that's really interesting. It makes sense, right? They have this, like... So we have these creatures who seem to have some kind of fate-based power. And then yeah. you have these these people who just, like, knock the fuck out of fate, you know? So it kind of yeah. makes sense. And they're both in there at the same time. So. Right, including a super-duper Taverin like Rand. Yeah. Do you think they destroyed that world? Because when they were kicked out, it sounded like that was what it's was happening. It's a good question. And Rand, he backed out with his fire sword out. Yeah. And we're not, they're not supposed to bring fire to this place, remember? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Great. So he probably didn't make any friends over there. <laughs> so the three of them all together, whether inadvertently or not, have pretty much killed an entire planet or whatever. <laughs> well, we don't know for sure. They may have they may have made it out in time. It was definitely crumbling around them, but but they were being bodily forced out, so it's possible that the the world survived. Mm. But mm. they it definitely wouldn't have stuck around much longer if they had stayed. Yeah. Know? Right. So they all got answers and uh they the <laughs> Rand is like it was really hard to understand them. They, you know, they had to get a translator, but it was really hard. And and Matt's like, oh, we were speaking the old tongue the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, no, I couldn't understand him either. <laughs> it's <was> really weird. <laughs> right. Yeah, whatever Rand said, that's what happened. You heard him, didn't you? That's what that's what it was. But we don't get any uh, info about what Rand asked or what Moraine asked. It's sad. That's right. That's true. Oh, but Maureen also mentions that they feed on sensations, which is probably what they were doing. Right. Or, or they feed, or they... Like, that's... Because they mention the bargain, or the deal, or the, the arrangement, whatever. So maybe that's what they get in exchange for the answers, is they get to taste these your, humans that come into their your, dimension. Your sensations? Your feelings? Yeah, the experiences, memories, all those things, apparently, are yeah. things that they eat. Wow. Yeah, I know. That's creepy. <laughs> and Maureen's like, hey, you know... uh, I'll, uh, hey, Rand, I'll, uh, I'll help you interpret all those things you learned if you tell me about them. And Rand's like, yeah, sure, if you tell me what you learned about them. She's like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'd really like to know what they learned. Yeah, yeah, it seems like that would be useful information to be shared among all of them. I mean, they're all on the same team here. That's the, th the frustrating thing about these, these, these arrangements is it's like, mm -hmm. they're all more or less attempting the same thing, and they would all benefit from having the information that the others have, probably, right? Yeah. Or at least if we, the readers, had gotten it, because we've seen things from Rand and Moraine's perspectives before. Yeah. That's true. I bet Rand would have told Matt. I don't think he'll tell Moraine, because Moraine is so manipulative. Mm -hmm. Well, Rand would have told Matt, except Matt won't tell him. Like, Matt doesn't... Because there's an exchange after Moraine leaves where Rand kind of, like, tries to probe him a little bit and says... Did you find out what you wanted? And Matt says, well, did you? And they just, that's it, you know? Oh, yeah. Come it's on, a, guys. It's a bummer, right? So I liked it. There was one moment that I really liked where Rand is talking to Moraine and he leans against the chest and he's super cool and, like, nonchalant. And Matt actually thinks, dang, he looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> what a badass. Yeah. Oh. Uh. Yeah, so this was, this was cool, this whole adventure. The... Right. What is what the heck is going on with these people? We get this is really neat how we get just enough information to sort of sketch out a story, but but we don't know exactly the details of what's going on with this place. And it's it's interesting because like for so we know a little bit about 
at this point, we know a little bit about their alternate dimensions through the ways, and we know about like alternate realities through the the I don't remember the waystones, whatever they were called, the portal stones, portal stones, something okay. like that, whatever those things were called. But this is the first we've heard about like an entirely different world with like interdimensional beings. This is like something that with, with potentially troubling implications in the, in the in the universe of of this this stuff, right? I think Robert Jordan's writing game is getting stronger. Yeah. Cuz how long has it been since we've had a dream that was just a dream? Mm-hmm. Because we've got I think that's super cool cuz this all could have happened in a dream, but instead we've got him going to this other world and what Egwene is doing now, I mean she's sleeping, but it's not a dream. Like there's real consequences and things like that when she goes to tell Ren Riad. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that cuz I know we were all getting tired of it just being dreams. Yeah. It's, it's significantly less repetitive for sure. Yeah. So chapter 16, leave takings with a tree of some kind. Get it? Leave yeah. takings. It's a pun. Oh, I because they're leaves. No, I understand it now. Yeah. Have... I know because trees have leaves. Jeff. <laughs> I was wondering if we'd seen that before. Is that the because that is that's similar to the icon for the for the ways, right? I couldn't remember. Have we seen that? It, it we saw a tree to before. me. Yeah, I think before we had something with like leaves, like leaves on it. But I don't. I'm not sure we've seen this particular icon. Before. Maybe this is broccoli. Maybe it's broccoli. Oh, it could be broccoli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's it. why everybody's just eating broccoli in this chapter. <laughs> Yeah. Who's got a lot of iron? <laughs> it, I mean, it's really good for you. Everyone should eat broccoli. Yeah. And you can pretend you're a dinosaur and eat the tops off like little trees. <laughs> so, Perrin got rid of Fael. We make it explicit because... So she won't be there when the White Cloaks kill him. Mm-hmm. And he's worried that she'll try and stop the White Cloaks from killing him. He's like, no, I have to go get killed by the White Cloaks. Which is kind of emo, right? Well, uh, I also want to mention what Loyal has been up to in the Aww. meantime. You know, like, no, like, yeah, Perrin goes to see Loyal because he uh, needs to go through the ways, which I guess is just how people get around now. Yeah, I mean, like, it's they, like you know, five percent chance your soul gets devoured by the Machin Shin, the Black Wind, but you know, you get get there really fast. I mean, the world's really big. Like, yeah, the alternative is it takes like two months to get everywhere. So, I mean, like, you know. 5% chance you get, your soul gets to... You just roll those dice. Yeah, it's like flying Frontier Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always just assumed that Loyal was like, you know, rolling around in a pile of books like a cat with catnip. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's good to hear back from him, you know. Yeah, so... But yeah, what was he doing during the attack? Oh, I know. God, this... Okay, real talk, this actually made me tear up a little bit. <laughs> he took all the, the kids and, like... He was holding a doorway against Trollocs and Miradral through the entire fight by himself. I know. Oh, God. He's, he's really the fucking best, you know? Oh, I love Loyal. <laughs> I know. I, I drew my middle school hearts next to, <laughs> next to that. I know, yeah. And, and, and they, they comment how, like, half the women in Tyr would marry him if he were human, and a, a few of them would probably marry him anyway. And it's like, <laughs> aw. He's awesome. That's right, Loyal. You're the best. Mm-hmm. I miss Good that. looking at Loyal. Yep. But we find out that Fael has done a stupid trick. Ugh, it, I guess Ogier always keep their word, and she made him swear a really specific promise. Yeah, right? Like, the more that this unfolds, the more unrealistic this sounds. Like, yeah. what did this conversation... I'm glad we didn't hear this conversation, because it must have been stupid, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you won't take me. You, you you have to swear. You have to swear yeah, you'll you take won't... me before you take anyone else. And also, if anyone else wants to go, you have to make them promise to ask me first. I was like, are you fucking... What, what does this conversation sound like? Yeah, right? And I was more just mad at both of them. I feel like they're both kind of manipulating Loyal in this this conversation. 
Totally like, are. Yeah, like he's in the middle of their squabble, and I'm just like, you know, yeah, and then eat a the, bag of dicks. The first thing he says is he wants to stay here and write the book about Rand. Yeah, he doesn't want to go off and have another stupid adventure. Mm-hmm. I mean, he actually know like I mean, Perrin knows too, but doesn't seem to care, but. Loyal is, is being realistic about traveling through the ways. He's like, this is a bad idea. We right. shouldn't be doing this thing. Absolutely, yeah. Like, this is terrible. You, you get devoured by Machin Shin. We never do this. And, and I hate to be cold, but it's just to save Perrin's family's lives. That, I mean, it's... There's so many people who have been dying and horrible things are happening. I feel like this quest is kind of silly. Which is exactly Rand's argument, right? Yeah. Like, Rand is like, yes, this is horrible. And, and I understand if you want to do what you have to do, but like... I'm saving the world, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I feel like there are a lot of other options, too, like send a detachment of Aiel, or talk to Elaine, whose mother is the Queen of Andor, who mm-hmm. technically is the sovereign of that territory. Tell her to send some Andoran guards mm-hmm. to, to deal with these white cloaks that are terrorizing people in her territory. Yeah. yeah. They don't do any of this stuff. No, the only answer is for Perrin to go by himself, I mean, you know, what he wants, to go by himself and, and like... Kill himself, I guess. That's, get, get killed. Yeah, and then the White Cloaks are going to leave Two Rivers alone, I it guess. It doesn't seem likely that they would even do that. I know, right? They don't They do not do that. They like to terrorize towns. Yeah, if anything, they would torture him and then burn the entire town to the ground, right? Like that's, yeah. That's what they would do. This is a dumb plan, Perrin. Yeah. But it is the plan. Yeah. Taverin. So. Oh, but but then, like, at the end of this, this conversation, then Fael wants Perrin to beg her to go along, like, and she's being adamant about this. You have to, you have to beg me, and then I'll, I'll right. help you save your family. Even Loyal is like, why, why are you doing this? Just let him come with us because we're saving his family. This, this is really important. This whole conversation seems really petty and fucked up to me. It's like, mm. I didn't. Yeah, very, very petty. But Perrin won't beg because he's too proud, <laughs> which is just as bad, right? Like this is stupid too. Like you know, is, is your pride Perrin, worth you're this gonna, much? You're gonna die in a week, according to your your estimation of what's gonna happen. Yeah. Who cares? Like, Fael is awful, but Perrin's being stupid, too, you know? Mm-hmm. Just just beg her, you know? Give her what she wants, and you know what? Be done with her. That's fine. But this is this is important, right? Mm-hmm. But no, this is all going down this way. Um, so Perrin's plan is to just follow them as they go through the ways, because Fael is going to get loyal to take her to Emmonsfield? Yeah, yeah, That's a, that she says, you know, oh... She personally has no reason to go there. Well, I mean, it's obvious that she's doing this for Perrin in a way, but, like, in the most, in the meanest, most, like, controlling way possible, right? Yeah. It's like, I think I want to go to the Two Rivers and just have a look around, you know? <laughs> and meanwhile, Loyal is there getting more and more pissed off at them, and <laughs> Ogiers do not anger easily. <laughs> yeah. But at least uh, Rand has been spreading has been spreading the word about what Perrin's going to do to try and get some Aiel to help him out. Yeah, That's and cool. uh, they succeed. Gaul, the Aiel that Perrin is special friends with, decides to, to go with them. Why, why is... I don't remember what happened with Gaul. He was in a cage, remember? Oh, okay, thank you. So he does not like white clothes. No, that was they weren't white clothes. They were hunters, never mind. But yeah, still, yeah, that that's right. He saved Gaul from that, that cage in the, the town. I forgot about that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they're bros. It's a water debt or something. Doesn't he say something weird like that? Oh. Blood, 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 life debt, blood debt, something like that. It's something, It know. has something to do with water. Water oath? Yeah. I think that's it. I, I, I can't remember I if that's... crap. I skip over it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't remember if it's that or if that's from Stranger in a Strange Land. They have, like, a water oath thing, too. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, because they're from Mars. Do you think yeah. that Robert Jordan having the same characters popping up again and again... Because we saw that with Bael Doman, too. Do you mm. think that is a strength of the books or a weakness? In my opinion, it's more weakness than strength. 
Why? Because it's unrealistic. Mm-hmm. I find it takes me out of the, the the narrative when like, oh, this guy showed up again. You know, there's there are thousands of Isle here, but this one right here happens to be there. The one that was that Perrin met in this other city happens to be right here. Bile Domon is the, the person that people keep meeting whenever they need a boat. Mm-hmm. Bile Domon happens to be there. Uh, I just find it jarring. I, I don't find it believable. Well, I mean, like, the, you know what the answer is, is that... Taverin have that effect on people, and and that, I, I mean, yeah, explicitly states it. Like when when Taverin cross paths with somebody, it alters their life to like help them. So it, it's 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 kind of like a lazy narrative trick, but he he writes it into his his his, his mythology. Yeah, so you sense. have to take it at face value. I it guess it is kind of know? in in the world. Uh, yeah, because I, it, but the advantage is that when he has a good character, he hangs on to him, and that's that's nice. I like Bile Domon a lot. Yeah, he's great, and I, and I hope we see more of him, because I, you know, I miss that guy with the boat. Yeah. George R. R. Martin, take notes. Quit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, killing your characters. Save them. We love well, them. Yeah, but it, in George R. R. Martin, his books are, his, his story arcs are a lot more effective because people can die and leave the narrative and get endings, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it would... Like, there can be a story arc with somebody where they, like, okay, well, I, I think you're all crazy, and I'm going to just sail away now, mm-hmm. which is what Bialdomon does, and then they just sail away and they're gone, And right? I think it's a lot more effective scene in George R. R. Martin's writing, mm-hmm. because you know that person is actually leaving. Well, there's real stakes, right? Like, in, in, yeah. in George's writing so far, we haven't seen any, I don't think we've seen any name characters actually die, right? I mean, Tom was supposed to be dead for a while, but he exactly. came back. Exactly. Like, like, Robert Jordan, sorry, George R. R. Martin would have had Tom Maryland die yeah. right then. And yep. it was it was effective in the narrative, right? These boys are taken out of their comfort zone, but they have these people protecting them, and then those people protecting them are stripped away one by one, and Tom Maryland is the last experienced person protecting them, and they're on their own. And that's that's the narrative, you know? It mm-hmm. works. But then, like, you know, we like Tom Maryland, so he just comes back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which sort of, in retrospect, drains that story arc of its power, mm-hmm. I think, to a certain extent. Yeah. Well, it, it means that there's that that's, the stakes for all of these characters aren't really that high. If we if we think a character is never likely to die, then, you know, it can't can't be that risky, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's I think that's the the big difference. The chief difference in my opinion between George R. R. Martin's fantasy series and Robert Jordan's mm-hmm. is that Robert Jordan is more of like a what's the word? It's like a serial TV show, you mm-hmm. know, where the characters are never really in danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know nothing really bad is going to happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. And I think some people like it that way. Um, but It's probably, I, I suppose it's, if I think about it, it's probably more common, right? I, I think a lot of authors write that way, where the, the good guys always win in the end. It, it feels like George R. R. Martin is more the exception than, than the rule. Yeah, that's what makes that book and that TV series stand out so much. Um, that's why it's that... You know, the, the meme about them is everybody's going to die, which is actually not true. People just die at a reasonable amount for the this type of historical turmoil. But by contrast. But by, it, yeah, by contrast yeah. with everything else on TV and every other kind of book, you know. But it's like it's like a different kind of writing where they... Uh, most TV, in my opinion, is like a, they have these characters and the storylines don't matter at all. You're just sort of spending time with these characters. Yeah. And the storylines are just things for the characters to do. Mm-hmm. So they're not actually trying to put together an interesting narrative arc. They're, they're trying to give these characters an excuse to do the thing that makes them likable. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going on in here. I do think, though, that although the quality uh, it may be lesser, I think it makes these books much more readable. Because I've been thinking a lot about it, and I have a lot of trouble with fantasy series. And I think a large part of that is because it's very hard for me to keep all these new people straight in my mind. Mm-hmm. 
So the fact that we have these, like, these recurring, you know, we're the recurring sea captain, the recurring, you know, uh, Aiel guy. We don't have to keep track of, like, a million new characters. Yeah, that's hard for me to do because I've got terrible short-term memory. But this, sense. I think that's why these I find these books more enjoyable and more accessible. Mm-hmm. Well, our, our cast of characters is growing. We'll see if we struggle with it as we go because <laughs> we're getting a lot of people at this point. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll be fine. And this is hilarious, though, because Perrin tells Gaul that they're going to be going through the ways... And parents and Gaul says the ways, and parents said, "Does that make a difference?" And Gaul says, "Death comes for all men." <laughs> hey, everyone's got to die sometime. Because the Aiel are badass. Yeah, I'm starting to like Gaul. He gets a lot of good lines in yeah. those chapters. But but maybe someone should tell him that if you you know if something happens to you, the ways it's probably fate worse than death. It probably doesn't you, matter. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, like, devours your soul and your mind. Yeah, you know, don't just die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we'll get to that when we get to it. Yeah. So we cut to uh, Team Egwene, who are splitting up. And this is an interesting scene. Yeah, I mean, they're talking about boys again, but, you know. Yeah, well, Elaine is upset with Rand for some reason that is not specified here. Yeah, I, I, my my uh, interpretation is that Rand wasn't uh, upset enough that she wasn't staying. Like, she knew she wasn't going to stay, but she wanted Rand to, like, argue with her about it, mm-hmm. which I think is dumb. It, it, to me, it's like... She knew what she needed to do, and I think Rand understood what she needed to do, and that was the decision that he made. But in her mind, that meant Rand didn't care enough or something. Maybe, yeah. And I think probably Rand is happy because he's like, it's dangerous to be around me. I'm crazy. Yeah. Which she's right. Yeah. Definitely true. But whatever. Elaine is caught up in her own crap. Uh, But then, as they're breaking up, Lan comes in, and Lan... As an emotional breakdown. Oh my god, I know. What's happening? This is like the first time we've seen Lan show really any kind of real emotion, and he's just like in it. You know, this is this is like romance novel shit. Yeah, he's angry because Nynaeve is going to Tenshiko and not back to the tower. And she's not even an Aes Sedai, which is true. Yep. She may be powerful, but she is not trained, which is, in, partic- in Nynaeve's case in particular, is a problem because she can't channel regularly. She has not cracked that code where she can channel whenever she wants to. It's just when she's angry. Yeah. And so Lan, A, he offers to leave Moraine to go with Nynaeve. Yeah. Which is a really big deal for him, you know, because his word is his bond and blah, 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 blah. This is, this is, I would almost say it's like out of character for him. Uh, like, it's it a stretch to me, you know? At one point he smiles. In this, in this scene. Yeah, That's the most shocking part. It's like, what are you doing to this character? <laughs> yeah. Robert Jordan, what, what is fucking wrong with you? Yeah, Lynn he, smiles? <laughs> he trembles. He trembles. Right. Like wow. a leaf. But he, uh, he sweeps Nynaeve off her feet and gives her a big old man kiss. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This really bothered me a lot. At first, she kicked his shins and hammered him with her fists and made sounds of frantic, furious protest. But her kick slowed and stopped, and then she was holding onto his shoulders and not protesting at all. Like, it's like mm, mouth rape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she was saying no, this obviously. Is, this is she one of those was, things where Robert Jordan, I think, is just writing what he thinks is like a sexy romantic scene. I, I don't know. I disagree. Yeah? I'm, I'm on the, the anti-women's rights side. Of this. <laughs> <laughs> no, because she does want it, right? Like, it's well-established. They, they have an established relationship that she does want it. So, so you're, you're saying, saying she Len, was asking for it? Yeah, so Len knows she wants it even if she well, doesn't you, know she wants it. Well, you say it. she was asking for it. That what you're implying is that, like, she deserved it because she was acting in a way that deserved it. Mm-hmm. But she did want it, right? Yeah. Like, in point of fact, she did want it. This is... 
But the, also, like, the kicking and screaming and pretending to be aloof is part of her thing. Yeah, you know, I... I and that's, I, that's been established, and both of them know this. I, I, can, I can give Jeff this one a little bit, because we all, up until this point, there's been, like, like, Lan and Nynaeve have been essentially just, like, dating. I, I We don't know that they've been having... They've been having romantic interactions this whole time, so mm-hmm. I guess maybe they have some ground rules set already that we just haven't been privy to, maybe... Maybe, but it, it's, it still bothers me because it's just another example of, oh, when women say no, they really do mean yes, but. I, I, I think uh, that is, yeah, I, I think that is pervasive in Robert Jordan's yeah, writing. I, I agree. Don't like that's that. everywhere. And, and, and in, in this scene. And in every romantic comedy movie ever yeah, or older yeah, ones. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just that in this scene that happens to be true. Sure. Yeah. And, 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 and again, maybe it, it only appears this way to the, to us as, as the outside observer we know that they've been spending all this time together. We know that they've been like having romantic interactions. It's possible that this is already something that they're yeah. at a point they've already reached. Yeah. She is. They're role playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she like gave him a list of, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to come in. You need to smile. You need to <laughs> say you're going to leave Lorraine and then you kiss me and I'm going to pretend not to like consensual, non consensual thing. You know, if that's their fetish. That's cool. You know, whatever. <laughs> and if I say banana, you stop. Yeah. They, they might have a safe word. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> What's your safe word? Ali and Mandragor. Yeah. I, I kind of hate being on this side of the argument, but every woman in that room is stronger than he is. That's true. And and in fact, I think as soon as he walks in, a, bu- a, a few of them start channeling, right? Like, yeah, they, they like they, they get the power ready. They're like, uh. right. So they maybe Nynaeve's not angry enough, but the other people in the room also interpreted this as a romantic thing and not an attack because they didn't mm-hmm. do anything about it. Yeah. yeah. But on the other hand, you know that that is you have to view how this compares to the way things work in the real world, and from that perspective, no, is, no needs to mean no. Yeah. 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 You're right. So it, I, I get what Robert Jordan is going for here. I get his intention. It's just a little bit, you know, it's a little weird. Yeah. yeah. It is. It's like romance novel stuff, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You pointed that out in another episode. I, I see it all over the place. This is definitely like, yeah, it's definitely like a, this is Robert Jordan writing a romance novel scene. Yeah, his passion couldn't be denied. Right, exactly. And it's frustrating because it feels like this is just a chapter about women lying to men. Yeah, because Fael was tricking Perrin and and uh, Loyal and Nynaeve tried to trick um, Lan. Wait, how was she tricking him? Because because he she made him think that she was going back to Tarvalon. Oh, uh, yeah. where she would have been much more safe than where she they are going to. And she, she says, can... "I didn't lie to you. I just didn't tell you." And yeah, yeah. Seemed like, dude, I work with Aes Sedai. I have for years. I know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I do want to point out that uh, Lan, you know, we we we've seen in the past. I think it was in the Great Hunt where Lan does some some poetry or something, and he does a little poetry here for for Nynaeve. Uh, it, I mean, it's it's not exactly poetry, but he just like he says this very he has this like very poetic uh, monologue about. Let's see, you've made a place in my heart where I thought there was no room for anything else. You have made flowers grow where I cultivated dust and stones. Remember this on your journey you insist on making. If you die, I will not survive you long. It's just like a little bit of like a little, like, it's like dropping his like land poetry here. It's true. It's pretty good. He's been working on that. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. I think that's pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, ladies, ladies eat that up, probably. <laughs> I think so. That, uh, but yeah, also Nynaeve shows him the note from the Amarlin seat. Like, she pulls rank on him. Her, yeah, kind of, yeah. The carte blanche letter, right? Yeah, which is really... 
Didn't he just say he was going to break her oath for him? This is not like... It's, it's a it weird... It seems out of place. This is like an emotional, personal interaction. And she's like, oh yeah, but your boss said I could do this. Yeah. And then, and, and then she... She... She mentions that... Oh, I'm trying to think of it. So... She denies his request to break his oath, I guess. She said, no, don't do that, which, you know, is probably what she wants. And then she later says that she doesn't want it to happen like that because she knows that if he did break that oath, it'd be, like, looming over his head forever. And I actually really respected that yeah. when she when she said that. I, I think, thought that was an interesting... Yeah, it's yeah. a logical choice, mm-hmm. decision. Because I think she's right. I think that for, some, for a character like Lan... Uh, even if he did this because he thought it was the right thing, it would still haunt him forever. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he's, yeah. his, his word is his bond, as you said, Jeff. <laughs> I thought his sword was his bond. Uh, he's, he's I thought it was like a typo. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't, isn't sword just word with an S? Oh, oh my God. His sword? <laughs> his mind blown. <laughs> his S word. So, yes, she leaves. They all split up. Oh, yeah, and Egwene is going to... Somewhere in the waste to go meet Amis and train to be a dreamwalker. Mm-hmm. Yes, a town that I can't recall the name of, but it's not Ruidian, but another place right in the waste. Because the waste is vast. So, chapter 17, Deceptions. With a loot. Because this is Tom Marilyn. So, uh, Tom Marilyn is playing the game. Mm-hmm. And what he, we get more a clearer uh, look at what he's doing here. And what he's doing is he is turning the commoners against the high lords of Tyr, yep. so that they will turn to Rand. And he's, he, and he, yeah, yeah, he, he's planting these little like rumors and seeds, getting the, the the folk of, of the the stone to to question the high lords. I guess I think of them as like an enemy. Yeah. Yeah. What What's really confusing to me is why. It, it said, because he wants everybody to get behind Randall Thor, the Lord Dragon. We know why he went with the boys originally, because he had his nephew who could channel and everything. But do we really know why he so strongly wants Rand to be the dragon? I don't know that he wants Rand to be the dragon, but he knows that. I, I think he, he, at this point, sees that as a done deal. And now he just wants to keep him alive. Okay. Yeah, I, I think he may be yeah, just working for him, looking out for him, and maybe... I didn't mention something like this in previous chapter. He wants to give him like sort of a power base that is not connected to the Aes Sedai. Because he doesn't trust them. Yeah, he doesn't trust the Aes Sedai Mm -hmm. for good reason. And so he's saying, this is like, I'm I'm gonna let him, I'm gonna give him the ability to be powerful without the Aes Sedai manipulation. Mm -hmm. It's just interesting to me that he isn't freaking out at all about Rand being the Dragon Reborn. You're right, he didn't. That's a good point. I feel like, and, and I don't, I don't recall specifically, but I feel like he's known that Rand can channel for for a pretty long time. Like he might be one of the early people to 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 make that connection. So that's like the biggest hurdle for most people is like a man who can channel. You know, if, if he's past that, the fact that he's a dragon reborn might not necessarily be a bad thing to him because like maybe at least he's not destined to go as insane as everyone else yeah. does. Mm-hmm. And okay. by meaning he's going to live a little longer, you know. Yeah, and he's comfortable, more way more comfortable than most people with the idea of the man channeling because his nephew Owen could channel. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. You're right. He hasn't really... Yeah, we haven't gotten that deep into his psyche, except we're about to, because he heads back to his room and Moraine is there. Going through his shit. Going through his shit. Mm. Man. Because just... Moraine's pushy, and uh, yeah. Tom is super into Moraine. Every time he talks about Moraine, he's like, that's a fine lady. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think they, they have like a... Like, a they, like Moraine... 
and Tom probably have more respect for each other than they do for most others because I think that they see they're they're both kind of Kyrian and puppeteers essentially. Yeah, they're they know the game. Yeah, they're, mm-hmm. and they're both like I would say very skilled game players. So they they look at each other and they say, "Oh, ah, that person knows what's up." So Tom probably res- respects her in a way that he doesn't respect most people, and and Moraine probably has a lot more thinks a lot better of him than she thinks of most like toys that she yeah. fucks around with. And we we get a bombshell. They're we, talking about Moraine's past. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so we we get yes. a, we get a, a we get a bunch of bombshells. Look at my notes; it's like all my, my stars oh, yeah, for all the, the yeah. points to talk. Both of their histories are like are laid yeah. bare for yeah, us. Yeah, but, but first, like we find out what Tom has been doing with High Lord Carleon and High Lord Tadosian. That's right. They got them all killed. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which is just by planting notes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like we saw the note earlier. It was something he basically convinced one of them that the other was having an affair. So one of them killed the other, and I, it seems that the wife is now poisoning the other one. Oh, she totally did. So yeah, yeah. like the, I thought. I guess I didn't think this was such a blood sport. Yeah, I kind of thought he was just manipulating public opinion. But no, no, no. He's like, I'm going to get that guy killed, and then I'm going to get that guy killed. Yeah, yep. they call it a game, but. Yeah. That's a pretty strong game. You play the game or you die, right? <laughs> yeah, right. The game of houses. Yeah, are the do the high lords of tier just suck at playing the game? I, you know, at first I thought the game was primarily in Kyrian, but they they seem to indicate that that the the game is a thing in in tier as well. But by all accounts, Tom is one of the best game players. You know, he's like this is his thing. He's right, like, yes. he's like the Gray Fox. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We find out that he's Tom Drill Marilyn. The Gray Fox. When I heard Tom, I did not think Tom Drill would be his full name. <laughs> yeah, I know Tom Drill. I, I didn't know, know Tom was short for Tom Drill. Tom's a good nickname. Yeah. Keep with that one. Yeah. And we find out that he killed Terengale, apparently, with this great game stuff. Uh, yes. his first husband. Wait, yes. what? I thought he just became Morghese's lover after Terengale Gale died. Yeah, the implication is that yeah. that that Terengale was was going to kill Morghese. She says, yeah, Morghese says like it's real convenient that Terengale died, you know, especially since he was going to kill Morghese and take over. But so with the implication being that Tom learned about that plot and then manu- maneuvered it so that he died instead. I don't know if I buy that. I don't know if I buy that that's the implication because she's saying that sure is mm-hmm. convenient, but I don't know if that's actually the case even though I'm a li- I'm a little more convinced since like, literally at the top of that page, they're yeah. talking about how he got other men killed. Yeah, it was just coming so soon after the, yeah, this thing, I thought. Yeah, but I, I am not 100% convinced that he actually did kill Terengale. Mm, all right. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we also find out about Moraine. Yeah! Lady Moraine of House Damodred. Mm-hmm. And Terengale is her brother, her did, half-brother. Did not know that. Yeah, that, this is, this is very, this is a very interesting reveal, because, uh, House Damodred is, is also the same house that caused the Aiel War, right? Is yes, that- they are. Yeah. But, so, this means I had to write it out and think about it. So, Moraine was Morghese's sister-in-law. Well, I don't think they were ever married, but more or less, right? Karen Gale and Morghese were married. They yeah. were married? Oh, okay. And so, if... if, if Karen Gale uh, is, is Elaine and Gawain's father. Yes. Yeah. Oh. And, and Galad's, but, but Morghese is not Galad's mother. Mm-hmm. Galad is a half-brother. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, that means that Moraine is related by blood to Elaine. It's Elaine is her her oh, niece. Oh yeah, yeah, and so that that's why Moraine is so good at the game of houses, and she's so dignified and everything. Is she's a lady? She's in the royal house. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's she's like one step down from a queen, essentially, right? Uh, she's a half sister. I don't think we have the information for how far away she is from the throne. 
This is this is this is all new information, and it's a little bit com- convoluted, but you know, yeah. So very they're interesting. so they're kind of laying their cars on the table that they know each other. Mm-hmm. And here's another example of a woman manipulating a man. Yeah. She's trying to get him out of there, get him away from Rand. And mm-hmm. It's interesting. I actually feel like Maureen feels bad about this. Like I don't think she feels good about the, what she's doing here. Like they, uh, he mentions in an offhand way that uh, there's sympathy on Maureen's face. Could it be regret? Surely not. Not from an Aes Sedai, but I buy that that's real, actually. I think that she actually doesn't feel good about what she's doing here, but she feels like it's what she has to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. She gets him to uh, go with Elaine and Nynaeve. To uh, Tanchico. To Tanchico, right. And Elaine is the daughter of Morghese, who he used to love, so he's got like a special feelings for Elaine. But also, she manipulates him by saying that she'll tell him the name of the red Aes Sedai that killed Owen. Yeah. Which is really interesting to me. Like, I, I, yeah, would, I get that the Aes Sedai are, that? I mean, the Aes Sedai are quote unquote bad guys, right? I'm sorry, the Red Aja are quote unquote bad guys, right? But, like, yeah. like, would she, she serve them up for death, right? Yeah, because he, he would use the game to kill them or whatever. Do we know that, but do we even know that that particular Aja is still alive? Yeah, maybe they're not. Yeah, I wouldn't right. put it past Moraine. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's a good point. She could, she, well, it, it's it's hard to say because she says something like, I don't think that they should have, I don't think that they did what they should have done. And I don't think that they should have done it without consequence. So it could be that she'd be okay with him killing them, but it still seems a little strange to me. Maybe. I, I, I would believe that this particular Aes Sedai is actually already dead because Robert Jordan reminds us that although Aes Sedai cannot lie, they're very good at manipulating the truth when she says to him, well, you won't die in Tanchico. And so by the first oath, you know, that's true. Oh yeah. But we still don't know what else might happen there, even if he doesn't die. Yeah. So he, Maureen sends him with Elaine and Nynaeve to Tanchico. To keep them safe. Yeah. Just, yeah, good. They need backup. Yeah, it sounds like Tenchiko's not a not a good place to go from from literally every description. It's like Land says it. Like, <laughs> yeah, you'll get stabbed. Maureen's like, you'll get stabbed. <laughs> and Tom's like, they're gonna get stabbed. <laughs> so seems like Tenchiko's not a great place to go. So yeah, I'm I'm glad Tom's going with him. He seems like if anyone can keep him safe, it's probably him. So we cut to Min, who is role playing a girly girl. God. It's I found this very painful. Me too. Because she obviously hates it so much. And people say nasty things. Like, uh, she sticks her finger in her mouth because she poked herself with a needle because she's supposed to be doing embroidery. And somebody says, stop sucking your finger. We know you're a pretty little girl. You do not need to prove it to us. Yeah. This, uh, this, this, this gross. I feel awful for, for men for having to do this. And it's just like... But... I, I mean, I get it. I get the 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 setting, the setup that they're trying to do here. But uh, to me, it's just, I feel awful for Min. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is going on with so it's, this? Is at the very beginning of the chapter. This thing with Min and Laras. What is the, like? I feel like there's a, like an implication here, and I, I'm, I'm having a little bit of trouble understanding what's going on here. It's that Laras is her tutor for how to be girly. Is that what it is? I thought it was Leanne. Yeah, I thought Leanne she was taught being... her how to be pretty. Leanne taught her how to put on makeup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's like, "It's amazing. My cheekbones look great." Yeah, <laughs> she does say that because Min is here. She's um, under the deception that she's just the silly girl, and there's Almindrida. two men who are in love with her. Yeah, Almendra. Two men are in love with her, and she's come to the Amarlin to Tarvalon to Percentual. get away from them. Yeah. yeah, and apparently is talking to the Amarlin seat about <laughs> whether or not. Which of these guys she should marry? Because that sounds like a good use of the Amberlin Seat's time. Yeah. Like, what is the 
what does she think other people think those conversations are like? <laughs> like the Amarly and Seed is like, yeah, but he's a lot stronger. Yeah, but the other guy has his own farm. Mm. Yeah. Which one makes you laugh? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what the Amarly and Seed's really there for is <laughs> no, matchmaking, right? This is weird. But it's it's clearly meant to be funny that she's supposed to be this extremely girly girl. I, I don't know. We haven't seen any girls that are this uh, comically feminine in these in this world at all. Maybe else. Even she like was a novice and was working on a farm. You know, yeah, like that's true. she she wasn't like laying around like I just don't know anything. Yeah, it does bother me though that being being super feminine in terms of your appearance means that you got to be dumb. That yeah. bugs me. But this everybody buys it, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. In fact. Galad, who has seen her several times before, like he, it, I, I know that um, Gawain knows what's up, but Galad is not privy to like the whole plot. But like he's met her several times, and he does not recognize her. He he doesn't even know who she is, right? Yeah, uh, because I guess you know that I think that that makes a little bit of sense, right? She changed her hair. She's wearing a different outfit. She's acting different. It's not like a Superman Clark Kent kind of thing. She's wearing glasses or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, we see a little bit of Gawain's dark side here too, because she's kind of speaking with him in a flirting manner, and he and he um, shows her a book and says, "Hey, can you comment on this?" And she looks at it and she goes, "Tee, I don't understand. I don't have time to read because it takes me hours to fix my hair properly." So this is an interesting scene, though. I think it's worth mentioning because Galad uh, is is he's latched onto this new literature, and it's like he's getting into some like ascetic bullshit here. I mean, oh, like, yeah. I feel like this is like the guy who goes away to college and like thinks he's solved <laughs> the mysteries of the world when he reads his first read Nietzsche. Philosophy 101. Yeah, it's like, oh, I read Nietzsche and now I know how racism works or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's like, this this, this, this creeps me out a little bit because Galat is absolutely the kind of guy who would latch onto this shit and like take it to a real dangerous place. It's mm. very, it feels very puritanical. Abjure all pleasure. Uh, yeah. For goodness is a pure abstract. Uh, we don't want base emotion or flesh. And this is a little... What to me, like it feels very puritanical. And what do the Puritans do? Burn witches. Well, and what can men do? Have visions. Yeah, that's, that's a good and point. There's magic and stuff. Oh man, yeah. yeah. Well, and 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 as as because Gawain mentions it because he's concerned about this, and and as as he mentions, I think uh, Alice, you noted this. It's uh, it's written by the the guy who started the White Cloaks. So mm-hmm. this is like yeah, this and is, Galad's been hanging out with White Cloaks. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is real. Mm-hmm. This is this is scary to me. Having like someone it. like Galad join the White Cloaks would be awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he's going all like Nazi apologist or something. I don't know. This is not good. Yeah. So Gawain is accosting Elmendrida because he's still trying to find information about Elaine and Egwene. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he asks her about it, which is stupid. I mean, yeah, right in front of Galad, who's not in on anything. Yeah, what is... I, I, like, is Gawain an, uh, like a moron? Is that what we're supposed to interpret? He just doesn't care. Yeah. From his perspective, you know, his duty, his sworn duty is to protect Elaine. And these people are preventing him from doing it. And they're pre- trying to make him not even talk about it. And he's like, I don't really care yeah. about your stupid secrecy. Yeah. I think that's fair. But Min doesn't know anything about them. Yeah, she, like both both as her character and and real because she she wants to know she's she's been trying to get that information but yeah mm-hmm. so she can't help him out but they are hearing rumors of Rand's exploits yeah the, the news is coming in that the dragon is reborn yeah I'm not sure why Min is staying in Tarvalon like I, I I don't really I'm not sure I get it like I understand why 
the Armalan seat wants her there, but I'm not sure why Min is obeying. I agree. Why doesn't she just leave? Like, I, like she doesn't this, want to be here. She doesn't like this. She's being humiliated. She's constantly. being used. I mean, like the like uh, uh, the Omelin seat obviously is benefiting a great deal from having her there, but I don't think Min's getting anything out of this. And mm. all her friends are gone. Yeah, I, she knows where to go too at this point, right? Or I guess she doesn't. I guess she doesn't know where uh, Egwene and Elaine are, or sh- or maybe she would go. Yeah, maybe that's what she's waiting for. Is that answer? But yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, and she's. Amarlinsi is trying to use her to find the Black Aja or something, whatever. Yeah. So she visits the Amarlinsi, and we get a pretty big news dump. Yeah, current events. The Amarlinsi is like, you can't just walk in here. There's stuff you're not supposed to know here. Oh, good, news. Let's read (laughs) off the news. (laughs) There's a a bunch of stuff here that we don't know a lot about. One that I thought was interesting was that the blight has receded, and we don't. I guess we don't know anything about that yet, right? I think it's the Green Man, the thing that happened with the Green Man. (sighs) Because he died, and then like everything turned green around. Yeah, him. and the 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 Shinarans won the giant battle against the Trollocs, which nobody else cares about. Yeah, because the Shinarans are always doing that shit, and everyone's just kind of ignoring it. Yeah. The one thing I want to point out from this info dump is we hear that a sister is missing in Terabon, but we don't know who that is, right? We don't know. Yeah, every time though I hear about a Aes Sedai going away, that's very suspicious to me. Right. Yeah. So Wait, is Tanchiko in Terabon? Yes. I'm, so I, I wonder if that's a result of the Black Aja or the um, we. Okay. So Nynaeve's detective agency are going there because they think that those thirteen Black sisters are are there, right? Yeah, Eleven now. Eleven. Oh, it's like, oops. Two of them got their tongues nailed to the door. Uh, so could this be the result of the presence of the Black Aja there? I yeah, I don't know, but it seems very suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. And additionally, uh, Majin Tame has escaped. That's another thing we Yeah, so those about. are both the plots that the Black Aja talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The so, Tanchiko one and the Majin Tame one. So they were both telling the truth. Yeah, it seems. apparently, yeah. So Majin Tame has escaped somehow. Yeah. He, he was another one of the false dragons. That's right. Yeah, but he hasn't been stilled. He can still channel. That's right. right. Okay. Because they were taking him to the tower to still him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Swan says, if, you, if we catch him again, gentle him immediately, which is not the way that they're legally supposed to do it but at this point it's too risky mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, giving this news and news of Rand getting the sword she gets a message from Moraine the shepherd has the sword <laughs> not very good code and he's like flung the stone or something like, <laughs> the, oh no he's used the sling which I guess means the stone is falling oh I didn't, I didn't figure that out yes yeah the yeah. sling <laughs> yeah. um, that she's gonna go now she's gonna like present this thing to the the Hall of the Tower. And yeah. essentially declare for the Dragon Reborn in a way, right? I mean, like, as close as Tarvalon gets, say, mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to guide him. Oh, she totally is. She says, the prophecy's been fulfilled, so I can say this. Um, none can oppose my pronouncement that the Tower must guide this man. And so now she can involve herself with him openly. Mm-hmm. Which, to me, seems like a bad idea. But, you know, maybe it'll go great. We'll find out. Yeah. So we get a, a quick little foreshadowing snippet. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that girl that knew, that met Min when she came in the first time. Yep. Uh, getting tortured by some, what she thinks is an Aes Sedai. Yeah. Tortured to death, in fact. Yes. Yeah. Tortured yeah. to death. For information about Min. Mm-hmm. So, ugh. Yeah. Bad, bad, bad news. Trouble coming to Tarvalon. Yeah. So, chapter 18. Into the ways. Icon of the leaf. Because it's the Avendosaurus leaf. Going yep. into the ways. So uh, Perrin and Gaul sneak out, which is, you know, Perrin goes through all this trouble of having his gear shipped separately to the stables so that Moraine won't know about it. Uh, but it doesn't matter because Fael has, has been making a huge deal about how the fact that she's going to go. 
yeah. Kind of through the ways with Loyal. It's also, uh, we, we so I, I, there was some hope that there might be like an Aiel contingent going with them because Rand was yeah. talking to a couple people, but it sounds like only Gaul's coming, right? I, yeah, I don't get why Rand didn't detail a hundred Aiel. Like a hundred Aiel would make a huge difference. Yeah, I know. And he, he could absolutely command it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. why not? Yeah, maybe he doesn't actually command the Aiel yet. Ruark does, technically. Yeah, I and suppose they, so. And Ruark did kind of hint that they think Rand is he who comes with the dawn, but if he's not, then they're just going to leave. Mm-hmm. That's true. It, but th- there was that whole reveal with his tattoo or something, right? Like, oh, we're the people of the dragon. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, okay, it doesn't really make sense. So, but they do have a, a couple more Aiel, because Fael has gotten Bane and Shiad to come with them. Yeah, so, I mean, three Aiel is still something, right? Yeah, that's I mean, pretty good, actually. Yeah, it's worth, what, 50 guys, probably? <laughs> yeah. Oh. But they're still, Perrin and Fael are still having this stupid contest. Mm. And now the women are, the women Aiel are in on it, yeah, too, which is, is very frustrating. Specifically why the women Aiel came is because they think this stupid contest is funny. Yeah. This, this was this was so irritating. I was like, they managed to re- recruit the three Aiel who are going to, like, egg this thing on. Because Gaul, <laughs> it's not just that. Gaul and, um, is it Gaul and Chiad have, like, a, a blood... Um, yeah, a they're... blood feud between their clans, so they hate each other too. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> but literally, the only reason that Robert Jordan gives is, like you said, like he even that's this. I can't find it, but that's the one sentence that these women, these Aya women, are only going along because they think it's funny, which is a very weak reason to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they like they like Fael, and they're interested in this like this fight that they're having. So they yeah. want. I mean, if I guess if you don't have soap operas, you know, <laughs> if you see one in real life, yeah, these wetlanders are destroying their own relationships. Let's watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, maybe it's a Taveran thing. Maybe yeah. Perrin, like they managed to get world up in Perrin. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's this trash talk between the women Aiel and Gaul, and it gets very tiring very quickly. Really, I loved it. Really, because I mean, it's so, I don't know, awkward. <sighs> like, <laughs> like Gauls. His trash talk is he jumps and he does a high kick and he says, we will follow you like stalking Richbacks. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we, we kill Richbacks. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. They're like, well, yeah, we kill, you know, you could follow us like a wolf, but wolves are easy to kill. And then Perrin just growls at her. Yeah. And it's like conversation like, over. <laughs> it like, wow. It just got awkward in here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like that interaction. It was, it, you know, as much as he claims to like not want to be wolf-like, he sure growls a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does he know that people don't do that? Yeah, and the women are saying things like, you know why maidens are often used as scouts? They can run so fast because they're afraid that some guy is going to marry them. A maiden will run 100 miles to avoid that. And I actually wrote in my notes, I am already tired of this. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of not looking forward to this particular plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, like, cause in, in, and throughout this, while they're fighting, uh, of course, Perrin and Perrin and Fayil are still having this stupid power play, right? Like, yeah. Yes. Uh, it's this she's is... demanding that he ask her no yeah she's demanding that he ask her for permission to go with her and he's refusing to do it and she's making all these like oh he's like a puppy he's gonna so follow they, me so, <laughs> yeah right and even loyal continues to be sick of their shit and says file are you aren't you going too far with this and she says I will carry it as far as I must loyal 
So yeah, the, the, it's our sex thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, in this this whole chapter, all I could think was, man, Loyal is gonna have the worst trip ever. This Poor is Loyal. He just, shit. He specifically said, all I want to do is sit here and get my notes in order and write my book. And he got like looped into the worst. It's like, and I don't want to go into the ever. ways, and I hate these people's relationship, and this is the worst. It yeah. really bothers me because this is what was gonna is what gonna make him famous. The people are gonna be reading Loyal's story until the end of time, and. Mm-hmm. He has to leave because they manipulated him into it. Yeah, what he's trying to do is actually a good thing, right? Like he's trying to write this 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 book about like what's happening behind the scenes with the Dragon Reborn. Yeah, no one else is going to have that information but him, right? It's going to be his life story. Yeah, and then when he gets manipulated into going on, he goes, "Oh, I guess I'll I guess I'll make a chapter about Perrin." <laughs> <laughs> Man, that chapter is going to be scathing. <laughs> <laughs> About Perrin and Fayol's shitty relationship. This is the story of Rand's stupid friend. (laughs) So, yeah, they... A bunch of stuff like that. Then there's... Like a Tavarin thing happens. Yeah, the, the, some crazy the, thing happens. The, the stone starts ringing like a bell, and the, the, like it's like an earthquake, and everything starts shaking, right? Yeah. And so they all jump on their horses, and they race out of the city on their horses. And uh, they go to the Waygate. Yeah. Oh, and of course, you know, they, they pause briefly for... Gaul and the the two spear sisters to have like a, a a witty repartee about who can run better or something. Oh, the stone the stone dogs they have stone heads and stone bones, so they're really slow. And, yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I kind of thought that was pretty that's pretty <sighs> solid trash talk. I, I I think it would be great if it weren't interwoven into this stupid conflict between Perrin and, and Fael. Maybe for me, it's just you know? in comparison, like the, the Perrin and Fael stuff is so annoying that. Like, this stuff stands out as being pretty... Yeah. Like, oh, let's listen to these people talk. It, it might be more enjoyable for me if I weren't, like, already pissed about their stupid, toxic relationship. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they ride out, and they find the Waygate, and Loyal's mad about the grove being chopped down, but, you know... That's... So it, everything's just going to be bad for Loyal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, let's let's take a tour of the places where the things you love are destroyed. <laughs> it definitely reminded me of that scene in Lord of the Rings with Treebeard. Those trees were my friends! When he gets really pissed off that uh, Saruman has cut them all down. Yeah. Yep. But they, they head into the Waygate and Perrin and Gaul head in first. Uh, bad idea. Whatever. Yeah. They head in first and then decide to leave before the others have gotten there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because separating in the waves is a great idea, right? I know. Yeah, this, this whole... Just apologize to her or something. Like... Placate Moving her in two so separate can... groups through the ways is a really bad idea. Yeah, this the, the, like I get this conflict in a way, but this is taken like f- way too far. This is this is this is jeopardizing their lives, their like their 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 families' lives. It's 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 beyond to me, you know. Hmm. All right, that's it for this episode. Next time we're going to cover chapters nineteen through twenty three of the Shadow Rising. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan. And I'm Mike Sparkman. I don't have one of those. Still. Still. <laughs> if you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. Uh, please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews on whatever service you got this from. Please give us your hard-earned American dollars on Patreon. Uh, please like us in real life. We're very likable. Until next time. The, the light illumine you. you.